Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I am so thrilled that you are listening to Talk Healthy today. I want for you to subscribe. You can subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to rate and review as well. It really helps out the show. Thanks, and here we go. Wouldn't it be great if there was one health book out there that actually addressed your whole body, mind, spirit. Well, let me tell you, there is. It is called Clean Eating Dirty Sex. It is not about dirty sex. It is a play off the word clean. Central superfoods and aphrodisiac practices for ultimate sexual health and connection. This book is a healthy lifestyle guide. There are over 40 top experts from functional medicine physicians to registered dietitians to exercise physiologists to psychologists, sexologists, all engaged to help you live your happiest, healthiest life. There are over 50 fantastic, healthy, and delicious recipes. It is also a memoir where I, because I am the author of this book, Lisa Davis, share some very personal stories. Some are heartbreaking. Some are funny to help you get to where you need to be, to understand that it does take time to change, but that I am here along with all the other health experts in the book to help you. Don't let the title fall you. This book will help your communication, your intimacy, how you relate to your partner, how you relate to yourself. But if you do what the book says, it will also help you in every aspect of your health. So please go now. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's sold in local bookstores across the country. Check it out. Clean eating, dirty sex. I think it's so important to talk about fitness, ways to get fit, how to be your best, your strongest, but also how to look at the emotional and mental side of things. So I'm so glad to be joined again by the wonderful Drew Manning. Drew is a New York Times bestselling author of the book Fit to Fat to Fit. And he had to take quite a, a toll or took a toll on him for his transformation. And we're going to talk about the mental and emotional side of things when we're getting fit, making changes uh, in our life and in our diets. Hello there, Drew. Welcome back. Lisa, thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, do I love having you on my shows? I think you're a fantastic <laughs> guy. I mean, look at you. You're drop dead gorgeous. You're in amazing shape. You're this really cool personal trainer. You're smart. Uh, it's all the keto stuff, which if people miss the show, they should go back and check out the show I did recently on keto with Drew on Talk uh, Fitness Today. But uh, seriously, I mean, you had it all, right? And then you decided, oh, you know what? I'm going to put on like 80 pounds and see what it feels like to uh, to be overweight and to deal with the stress and the, and the sadness and the, the difficulty that comes with it. And so for people who aren't familiar, this is something that you did. And that's why you're fit too fat back to fit. And so that must have been such a transformation. Talk to us about this experience, especially the mental emotional side yeah so it was very very humbling doing what i did and i don't recommend just anybody to do it but uh, i learned so many yes. valuable lessons and i needed it though because i couldn't understand why it was so hard for my clients just to do what i was telling them to i was giving them meal plans i was giving them workouts and they would tell me they were struggling with addictions or, or cravings and they would give in like they'd be like oh Drew, i had soda you know even though you told me not to or you know what you gave me the workouts but i didn't get to the gym this week and i just got tired and I just didn't do it. I'm like, well, why don't you just do it? It's not that hard. You just stop eating the junk food. You go to the gym, boom, you see results. It's that easy. But I can understand why it was so hard for so many of my clients just to live this lifestyle. And so I thought of ideas, how I could better relate. And the idea of getting fat on purpose, I know it sounds crazy, but it made sense in my mind. Like, okay, I need to do this. And so I decided to do it. And it was crazy. And I learned so many valuable lessons, especially on the mental and emotional side. Because here's the thing. 
physically, I knew I was going to get some man boobs and a big butt and a big gut. I knew that was going to happen. What I wasn't prepared for was how much of this journey was going to be a mental and emotional struggle. So going on public, I had, you know, I suffered with self-esteem and um, low confidence. I wanted to go up to complete strangers and tell them, hey, I'm not really overweight. This is just an experiment. Here's my before picture. This isn't normally what I look like because <laughs> I was so self-conscious. I, I bet. I lost my identity. And so it was very, very humbling. And I, but the biggest lesson I learned was how much of transformation is mental and emotional. And this is what we're going to get into. And this is why it's so important. As a trainer or someone in the fitness industry, you could give someone the best meal plans, the best workouts, the best trainer. You could provide them with all the physical tools that they need to, to be successful when it comes to, to, you know, being healthy. But none of that matters if that person doesn't understand how to overcome their mental and emotional challenges. It'll just be another diet that they do for a little while and they lose weight, but then they gain it back. The key to making it a true lifestyle change is on the mental and emotional side. And that's what I preach now. Yeah. And I think that makes so much sense. So if you're looking, to, if you're working with someone and they, they're really struggling staying with the, the plan that you gave them, you're like, what the heck? It's all written out. Well, you don't say that anymore, obviously, yeah. because you've gone through this huge <laughs> transformation yourself, but it gives you not only empathy, but does it help you approach them in a way, I'm guessing, obviously, that they will be more responsive to you. Then maybe there's a kinder way of saying, or be like, dude, dude, I totally see where you're coming from. Or I don't know if they dude, but you know what I mean? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's helping understand what their mental and emotional struggles are because each person is different. Some people, you know, eat out of laziness. Some people eat, you know, junk food because of, you know, emotional trauma from, you know, an early age. Find out what their mental and emotional issues are and help them overcome them and rather than just focus on the physical, like, oh, let's change up your macros, let's count your calories. That stuff helps as a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the most important piece of the puzzle. So now what I do and how I've changed as a trainer is by focusing more on, on the mental emotional sides of, uh, of, the, of people's transformation. And so the, the top three things that I've noticed that help people out with this are, uh, one is to help people to um, be more vocal about their goals. So talk to their friends, their family, um, to, to discuss what their goals, what they're trying to achieve. Because what that does is it makes you accountable by telling people what your goals are. People are like, oh, you're trying to you know, change your lifestyle, trying to be healthy. Okay, I'll help you out. Like, I'll support you. Like, I'll help you meal prep or I'll go to the gym with you. I'll be your gym partner. Um, and you, what it does is it helps you uh, find who your support system is. And sometimes your support system isn't always the people you think it's going to be, like your friends and family. Sometimes your friends and family are the ones who are sabotaging you. But at least get it out there in the open. You know, post about it on social media. Just get it out there in the open. I know it's scary for some people uh, to, to stay accountable, but people need that accountability no matter who they are. And you need to find out who your support system is, whether it's a, you know, a, a friend or whether it's an online community. And you're going to need that no matter who you are when you're trying to make a true lifestyle change. Yeah, that is really true. You know, one of the things I saw recently, I forget what magazine it was, but it was showing uh, like pictures of real like big amounts of weight loss, like big numbers, I'm trying to say. Yeah. And the saggy skin, right? You don't see that. And that that's really, really hard for people, right? I mean, you kind of see like before and afters, you seem to be like 300 pounds or 500 pounds, and then you're 150. And yet you look all, mm -hmm. tr you know, trim and 
wonderful, but it's like, well, wait a second, where all that skin go? And I thought it was so nice when people are like, look, this is what it really looks like. And this is really emotionally hard for me. And and do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced that with people and how they deal with that? And, and their body changes, but you're like, but I don't like all this loose skin. I didn't like the fat, but this isn't working for me either. And I can't afford to maybe get the surgery that I need to take care of it. Mm-hmm. 100%. And the problem with our society is we put so much value on yeah. expectations or the outcome of what we're trying, yeah. trying to achieve. And the reason people are so, you know, um, you know, upset about that or, you know, not happy is because they see images all over the media, you know, on social media and magazines, TV, movies of what they, are, they, they think they're supposed to look like when they're healthy. When in reality, it doesn't happen that way. And so if you put so much value on the outcome or the, um, expectations of what is supposed to happen, and then you get there and it's not what your it didn't meet your expectations. Then you're gonna be disappointed your entire life. And so, if you can learn to not put value on the outcome or the results, but put value on the habit that you're creating throughout the process, and you put value on the process, and don't worry about the the results or the outcome, then you'll be able to be more grateful and be in the moment with uh, um, the way things are instead of how they should be. And so it's hard for people. I get it. Like we all want to look a certain way. I get that. But when we let go of that and and realize that, you know, we're the best version of ourselves that we can be with what we have, then you let go of those types of unrealistic expectations sometimes. And um, you'll find that your life will be so much more fulfilling if you can uh, place value on the process instead of just the outcome. Now, when you lost all the weight, when you gained all the weight and lost all the weight, you were able to get right back to where you were. I mean, it must have taken some hard, was it hard, like harder work, I'm guessing, or you might have just felt more, <laughs> felt more tired, let's say, harder to get up. You make it, you make it sound like it was so easy. <laughs> no, no, it, it was not easy. It was just like snap, right? Like overnight. <laughs> yeah. The next day I had a six pack. Um, no, people yeah. think that because they see my photos online and they're like, oh yeah, for him yes. it was easy. No, it was a struggle. Yeah. It was very humbling. <laughs> So it was, it was really, really hard. So the way I kind of talked about this in my book is my entire life, I've been on top of this mountain of fitness at the very top and my clients were at the bottom and I was yelling at them from the top, like, Hey, keep coming. Not that hard. Just one foot in front of the other. Stop falling back down. Stop quitting. And then for the first time in my life, here I was at the bottom of the mountain at my heaviest looking up and it was a totally different perspective. It was so humbling that climb up. It was so much harder than what I thought it would be from the top looking down um, but it, it, it was so valuable for me to learn that. And so, um, it was by no means was it easy. It was a very, very hard, slow process where I hit plateaus. I gained weight some weeks, even though I was a trainer and I was eating right. And I would have my clients who used to tell me, you know, I'm doing, I'm following the meal plans, I'm following the workouts, but I, I gained weight this week before I used to think, well, you must've done something wrong or you're lying to me. But then here I was the trainer doing everything I was supposed to do and the weight didn't reflect what I wanted it to. And I was the trainer. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I need to realize that it's not black and white all the time. And even though you're doing everything right, it doesn't always reflect uh, on the scale. Well, what's your advice to trainers then in terms of the way to meet people where they're at and to be more in touch with their emotional side and allowing them to express what they're feeling? And also, if it seems too heavy for them to be able to recognize that and say, you know, you might want to go talk to somebody like what if somebody shares they had been uh, sexually abused as a child and so they use food as a way to protect them and that's why they're overweight and they're, you know, that's something that might be too big for someone who isn't skilled in that area or trained. Does that make sense? Have you ever come across that? 
one hundred percent. And you know, one option for these trainers is to is to trial for the TV show and do a fit to fit journey. But I know that's not for everybody. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of the trainers end up you know hating it, but they learn so many valuable lessons. But the other thing is, yeah, like uh, increase the the tools you have on your tool belt. That doesn't mean you need to become a licensed therapist or anything like that, but just understanding sure. the basics rather than just staying in the fitness industry and focusing on that and, and only knowing that part of it, you're not going to be able to help people out. So um, I think just, you know, being able being open to reading uh, self-help books and uh, personal progress and, um, you know, overcoming emotional challenges. There's a lot of info. There's podcasts out there. There's books out there. Um, go, go see a therapist yourself just to better equip yourself with how to deal with those situations. Not that you need to become a therapist or a psychologist or anything like that, but you at least you can understand where your clients are coming from and just realize that this for them, for the client is so much more of a, a mental and emotional journey. It's not just a physical one. So if you take a step back and realize that you don't need to freak out about the little things that, you know, maybe they're not counting their calories or maybe they went over on a certain amount of macros or, you know, they're not put, they're not pushing themselves hard enough in the gym that, that you perceive um, you need to really come down to their level and, and have more, um, in, in my opinion, more uh, valuable talking instead of just doing, uh, working out. So that way they feel understood before they can take action in the gym, in my opinion. So you can connect with them on a more deeper level, even though it's not possible for everybody where they're like, look, we have an hour together. I don't want to spend yeah. 20 minutes talking to them. I just want to spend the whole hour working out. And I get that, but there's so much more to it than just that hour in the gym. So I think clients would appreciate that more is under, trying to understand where they're coming from. You know, one of the things I love about your show, uh, Fit to Fat to Fit, that's on A&E, is that there was a, a client and um, a trainer that really didn't get on that well. And he ended up quitting working with her. And I was yeah. like, what? Because, you know, you're watching TV show. You're like, well, of course, you're going to come together because they came back together to try to work it out. And it just didn't work. Yeah. And I'm hoping yeah. that guy went ahead and made the changes on his own, but he felt like she was pushing him too fast and she might've felt <clears> like he wasn't working hard enough or, and I, how do you, how do you mend that? Or if you can't mend it, sometimes you just can't, but then how could a trainer say, okay, maybe I am pushing you too hard, even though I don't feel like I am, what works best for you. But then if the person, if the client's like, well, I only want to lift five pounds for the, you know, weights for the next three months. And you're like, you see what I'm saying? Like, where do you find that middle ground? Yeah, it's just, it, in my opinion, it's just like any other relationship. So just like in a marriage, for example, you can't have one person giving so much, like 100% of themselves, and the other person's only giving 10% to the relationship. So they, they in the episode, if you remember, they had a very frank conversation saying, okay, yes. here's your chance to show me that you're ready for this, and here's the here's what you need to do. You need to show up tomorrow at this time, and if you're not there, then that says that you're not ready for this, and then we need to we need to go our own separate ways, and that's what ended up happening. And so those frank conversations are important. And I think she did give him a lot of chances to understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I think and, she did. Um, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you do have to be ready and realize that it's, it is going to take hard work. It's not like you just are going to sit there and expect your trainer to do all the work for you. You have to put in the work as well. And so, just like any other relationship, there has to be a hundred percent on both sides, not fifty fifty, a hundred percent on both sides, and. If someone's not giving their 100%, then, um, you know, at some point there needs to be a sit-down, frank conversation with, okay, you know, here's my expectations for you. And if you can't do those things, we need to, we need to go our separate ways. Well, you know, speaking of the, emo the mental and emotional side, part of it was this guy went to the doctor and he was like basically told all these horrendous things that were going to happen if he didn't change. And so, of course, the trainer's like, holy crap, let's change. Let's do this. I'm here. 
And it, he wasn't, yeah. I think he was in denial. And that's mm-hmm. hard when that comes up because for the trainer, it's so incredibly frustrating. I mean, I wanted to cry. I wanted to shake this guy and be like, what are you doing? You're about to have a heart attack. Would you flip and work with this woman? You know, I'm like yelling at the yeah. TV. Um, but if people aren't there, <laughs> so your show really moves yeah. me, then they're, they're not there. And sometimes yeah. you have to let go. And that's hard. Yeah. And it's hard to see that, you know, especially if it was someone you yeah. love, like a sibling or a spouse or, you know, someone, you know, like a good friend to know that they don't believe they're worth it to make any changes. Even if a doctor is telling them all these bad things, for some people it registers like, okay, I need to make a change, but some people's self-worth is so low. You can't, you know, create that self-worth for them. They have to believe that they're worth it to make a change. And no matter how much you do and push them and yell at them or shake them or, or try and empathize with them, it has to be their decision at the end of the day. Something at some point hopefully will trigger it in them, but some people just aren't ready to, to make that, that change yet, even though they know it's better for them, it's healthier for them. Some people just aren't ready to, for change yet. And so, but the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is just to be the example and not try and push it on them. Uh, just be the example, and if, when they're ready, you're there to pick them up. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, because I think there could be overly tough love where you're like, you know what, if you don't do it now, then forget it. But if they come back to you yep. and, and you, yep. you know, give them another chance, because this is their life you're talking about. And I'm curious, too, exactly. about the mental, emotional side for people making the transformation. And if they've always lied, relied on food for their comfort and they, you know, suddenly that's taken away. And even though their bodies are looking better, it's sort of like, OK, I'm going to have I'm going to feel better. I'm going to look better. But I, I don't know how to cope without this thing I've always relied on. It's sort of like breaking an addiction, right? And you were very open on your show talking about something that you dealt with. I've talked about stuff like that on my show as well. And it is hard. But so you let go of something, but then you gain so much. But in the moment, you can feel a lot of panic. Yeah, for sure. Because that's part of your identity in a way. And you don't know how to cope with the, you know, if that's gone, then what am I going to, like, how am I going to move forward with? without this. And so it does take some yes. time. It is a transition, but just, I think at the end of the day, just being willing to, and being open to working with, you know, whether it's new techniques or seeing a counselor or meditation or positive affirmations or breathing, just being open to these other things that you might, maybe you don't believe is going to work at first, just being consistent with it and, and see if it makes any changes and just being open to, um, trying your best to improve and, um, uh, you know, it's going to take some time just being patient with yourself, realizing that you're not, I know about perfection, it's about progress. And so, you know, but if you stay consistent with it, for the most part, over time, you'll look back and like, you'll see how far you've come, right? With whatever the addiction is or yeah, that's nice. the coping mechanism that you used to have, you have to learn to rewire your brain, which is totally possible. We don't think we can change, but that, you know, if you look at science, you can rewire your brain with things like meditation and positive affirmations and breathing and, um, different techniques that are out there nowadays. Um, it's called biohacking, um, and it's, it's, it's really popular nowadays. And so people are kind of, uh, the mainstream media is kind of getting more into this. And so just being open to, I think, new things that you've never tried before. Yeah, and then you're going to have healthy behaviors to take place of the unhealthy behaviors. And you're going to move exactly. in a good direction. What about what about plateaus? Because that can be frustrating. Like, let's say somebody's <laughs> making a lot of strides in their transformation, and then suddenly it's like, nothing's moving. The scale's not moving. They're not feeling any stronger. Their measurements haven't changed. What, what advice do you have for that? Are there ways to uh, overcome um, plateaus through mixing up your workouts or trying something new, you know, stuff like that? 
Yeah, so I think we all hit plateaus in life, and I think it's essential for us because it kind of is a you know a reality check for us. Like, okay, I need to change something up. Um, but our definition of plateaus is different, and I kind of challenge people to look at plateaus differently because people think, oh, I haven't lost weight in a couple of weeks, therefore I'm hitting a plateau, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah. I don't like that mentality because just because your weight isn't changing doesn't mean that you're hitting a plateau. So that's why I recommend taking measurements, getting your body fat tested, uh, tracking performance in the gym, um, you know, like timing certain workouts or certain weight that you use and seeing if there's any progress there. Because if there's progress in other areas, like your body fat percentage or your measurements or your performance in the gym, that's not a plateau, right? But the traditional, yes. you know, thought or definition of a plateau for most people in the fitness industry is like, oh, I'm just not losing weight. So if you're not losing weight, you're not losing inches or body fat percentage and you're kind of stuck at the same performance, be open to new uh, new ideas when it comes to health and fitness. So if you've never tried high-intensity interval training, feel free to uh, you know try that out. Or if you've never done CrossFit or if you've never done um, Zumba, I don't know, anything, just be open to changing up your routine because your body might need to be challenged in a different way. And then also look into changing up your nutrition as well. So, for example, if you've never tried the keto diet, maybe it's something for you that maybe your body will be optimal and uh, feel optimal um, or veganism or vegetarianism doesn't matter like be open to trying new things and it's fun if you think about it from you know scientific perspective like i get to become my own self-experiment to find what's best for my body like experiment with your body see what works best for it don't just stay in the same old routine that you've been doing for years and years and years and eating the same thing over and over and over again try something new and be open to it and give it a good 30 or 60 days of consistency before you make a judgment right don't just say well i tried veganism for a day and I didn't like it <laughs> you know it's like well, you got to give your body time to adjust same thing with keto you can't just do it for a couple of days and be like oh, I didn't feel good it's like well of course you got to give it at least 30 or 60 days of consistency before making a judgment yeah I agree now when it comes to uh, people who haven't worked out in a long time you know and are starting their transformation what are what are things that they should do first because some of the things I worry about some, not on your show but on some of the shows I'm sure people know they'll take someone who's really overweight hasn't worked out in years or ever and make them like run on a beach or something I'm like what are they doing this is not good <laughs> so what are some yeah. sensible starting workouts for people yeah, so something that I did that worked for me, because if you think about it, my such bad fit journey, I stopped exercising for about six six months, and I wasn't just going to go right back into the gym and, and risk injuring myself with the same workouts I was doing before. So what I did first was actually just focus on nutritional changes first and becoming consistent with those, because those are harder for, for people, in my opinion, than going to the gym. And so I didn't exercise. All I did was I walked every day, which is doable for everyone just getting started for the most part. And then doing stretching and core, just preparing my body for working out at some point. So for 30 days, I just changed up my nutrition. I walked every day and I stretched every day. And those three things right there helped prepare my body for actual working out uh, the next month. So the next, I only worked out for five months uh, on my fat to fit journey, losing 75 pounds in six months. And just doing those wow. things initially in the first 30 days, I lost 19 pounds in the first month. Um, that's so incredible. that's what I recommend at first. And then at, once you do start working out, start very slow with body weight exercises. You don't need to try and kill yourself right away uh, with, with heavy weight uh, initially, in my opinion. Just use your own body as resistance. And I think um, if you have your nutrition down, it's going to be so much easier. You'll see so many more results from that anyways that I think that's a good starting point for, for most people. 
You know, I still chuckle about your uh, cinnamon toast crunch. You said that was like, I've never <laughs> yeah. even had that. Isn't that funny? Um, that but funny. Uh, it, I was just watching this thing on Netflix. There's this new Jerry Seinfeld. I think it's called Before before Seinfeld or something, Jerry before Seinfeld. And he was talking about growing up in the 60s and how, you know, it was so great that they, like all you that people ate were all these sugary cereals. I mean, it wasn't so great, but he was, you know, making a joke about it. He said, and then Cookie Crisp came along. Come on. They finally like made people realize, oh, holy crap, we're eating cookies for breakfast, you know? And so I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was just watching that earlier and it made me think of you and that, that it's addictive, right? All that stuff. That's the bottom line. It it's is. funny, but it is addictive. It is so addictive. But the problem is that well, our society is backwards. We make those foods so much more affordable and convenient and tasty, and the marketing is great. And, you know, yeah. um, I get it. I get why we, you know, give in to those foods all the time. It may, it's an uphill battle, or you have to make more of an effort to go for the healthier foods just because of the way our society is set up, right? And so I get why people get stuck in that situation with eating those foods all the time because, yes, it does become addictive and it signals. Uh, or trigger signals in your brain to crave those foods over and over and over again. And then it creates like an emotional response. And there's an emotional attachment to food, you know, like a sentimental uh, feeling when you eat, you know, uh, cookie crisp or, you know, oh, cinnamon yeah. toast crunch. You're like, oh, man, I remember <laughs> this as a kid. This was so life-changing, yep. and you know, so... Yeah, it does. I, there's sometimes you'll bite into something, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, it totally reminds me of my grandmother, such and such, or something," or you know. And then you're like, "I want more." Yeah. And it's it is. It's not even about being satiated. It's about memories and emotions. And so yeah. that's why when we're training ourselves, if you're a trainer, train other people. You have to look at the big picture, not just you know what exercises are best for you know the biceps and the triceps. I mean, you need to look at that too, but you've got to take a more holistic view, which is why I'm such a fan of yours, true. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate that. Well, Drew, tell us all the ways that we can find you. And I definitely want to have you back. Yeah, for sure. So my website is fitfatfit.com, fit number two, fat number two, fit. And then that's the name of my book. It's the name of all my social media handles as well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to follow me and I'll try and keep you entertained on social media as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. I just, like I said, I'm such a fan. Drew, I want to thank you so much. This has been really, really great. I, I just am such a big fan of talking about our mental and emotional sides of, of our lives and really delving into that. So this has been such a joy for me. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.